Hello everyone, um, I'm Aya Roshid, Security Communication Specialist at SEP. This webinar is part of SEP Security Awareness Activity during the Cybersecurity Month of October. Today, we will focus on how SEP was supported by EY to strengthen its cybersecurity by accelerating the NIST framework. Our host today is Angelica Dort. She's SEP Government Affairs North America. Over to Angelica for the introduction. Uh, thank you so much, Aya, and good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining today's webinar. Um, as Aya mentioned, my name is Angelica Dorch, and I'm the Senior Director and Head of Global Cybersecurity Policy at SAP. I'll be moderating today's co-hosted discussion between leaders from SAP and EY on the topic of the National Institute for Standards and Technology, or NIST, Cybersecurity Framework, Keeping Customers Safe Around the World. Now, if you're not familiar with SAP, we're the world's largest provider of enterprise software. Our customers generate 87% of total global commerce or $46 trillion. So this topic is really important to us. And for over 50 years, SAP has worked to foster trust through responsible actions in the context of security, privacy, compliance, and transparency. And to achieve this, we've built a great partnership with EY, the global leader in consulting and strategy services to support our shared mission of helping the world run better and improving people's lives. For, so for today's webinar, we'll be discussing a couple topics, but I wanna give you a little background on this session today. Um, so as many of you know, the cybersecurity has become a business critical imperative for organizations around the world. In recent years, we've observed a 358% increase in malware attacks and the average cost of a data breach for, to large enterprises has reached roughly $4 million. So SAP acknowledged these changing dynamics in the cyberspace and started strengthening its security posture by implementing the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, or CSF. And with EY support, SAP has been able to leverage NIST CSF and reinforce its status as a trusted and secure technology partner. So for today's webinar, we're going to focus on a couple things. Uh, we'll talk, provide an overview of the NIST cybersecurity framework. We'll talk about SAP's goals with implementing the framework and our overall journey um, and the tactical actions with implementation. We'll also share some of the lessons learned so far the outlook for 2024 and beyond, and some key takeaways that we hope that you all can take back to your organizations. And we'll definitely leave some time open for questions. Now, I wanna turn it over to our speakers to introduce themselves. Um, we'll start with Haida. Can you give us a little bit background about what your role is at SAP and how you're engaging um, on this CSF? Thank you very much, Angelica. Um, also, a very warm welcome from my side from SAP, wonderful headquarter location, Waldorf here. I'm absolutely delighted to be one of the co-speakers today. My name is Heda, Heda Hosseini. And um, my personal educational background, I'm originally from Afghanistan. I have studied pure computer sciences on diploma at the renowned Karlsruhe Institute of Technologies. My professional background, I bring eight and a half years extensive international IT consulting experience, where I've managed multiple programs around the topics of risk, cybersecurity, and supply chain transformation. I'm also ISACA certified in the governance of enterprise IT, Seagate, as well as I'm a certified information 
System Auditor CISA. Prior to joining SAP in July 2022, where I'm currently working as an information security compliance expert, I had been the program lead, in fact, for the very same program we're talking today, the NIST CSF implementation at SAP on the side of our implementation partner, EY. So I've been there from the beginning on both sides. Um, with that said, I'd like to hand over to my uh, wonderful partner, Peter, who's currently sitting in lovely Dallas. Over to you, Peter. Hi, everybody. Um, also from my side, uh, very welcome and really happy to be here. Um, so my name is Peter, Peter Westfall, and I'm a partner at EY. And I've been with the firm already for quite a while, since 2010. So my team and I, as you just heard from Heda, um, we've been working with SAP on the NIST CSF implementation for over two years now. And, you know, we bring quite a diverse perspective um, into this program. I personally bring over 20 years of consulting experience, focusing mainly on large IT transformations, but also, of course, cybersecurity projects. Um, a bit about myself and my educational background, I hold a doctorate in strategic decision-making, and I've been publishing on various topics, including, of course, business CSF implementation that we do with SAP. I think that's, yeah, a bit about me, and with that, I hand it back to Angelica. Perfect. Well, let's, let's dive in a little bit here. So um, before we talk about SAP's journey, um, let's talk a little bit about some of the fundamental aspects of the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, or CSF. I'll keep using that acronym. Um, Peter, could you provide an overview of the NIST CSF for our audience members who might not be familiar with it? Sure. And you already mentioned, Angelica, what um, NIST CSF stands for. It's a cybersecurity framework, obviously. And, um, you know, it's been around for a while. It's been published in 2014 for the first time. So NIST was really created as a collaboration between the United States government and industry. And it's a voluntary framework, right, to promote protection of critical infrastructure. It's, of course, based on existing standards and guidelines and practices. And a key feature of it is that it can really be tailored to any industry, such as, you know, TMT, where SAP is in. So currently, NIST CSF is in a version 1.1. Um, we're also working with this one, and this divides cybersecurity, as you can see from the slide here, into five different functions. And it covers really cybersecurity end-to-end, -end. so from identify to detect, protect, respond, and recover. Um, so I hope this gives you first quick overview of NIST CSF, and of course, on the NIST website, you can read much more, and also on our paper, you can read much more about what NIST CSF is all about. Jalika, back to you. Awesome. Well, thank you for that overview. So, uh, Hadid, how would you um, talk? Let's talk a little bit about SAP and its journey. So, why did SAP decide to implement NIST CSF? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. That's a very good question. Why did SAP decide to implement NIST CSF in the first place? I would say, as a natural fit to the current historic cloud transformation that is ongoing here under a new leadership of Christian Klein. Um, it was somehow the natural fit. Yeah? Definitely, there were a few key challenges that SAP was facing a few years ago, and they have identified. Amongst them, I could say um, SAP is a very complex company, having a lot of lines of businesses and also central services within the company, providing services to the lines of businesses. So there were um, kind of non-heterogeneous cybersecurity management across the different organizational units in place. So it was not all done in a standardized way. It was in there, but it was done differently. 
and also the redundancy with existing frameworks that are all in place, um, also lack of support of the resources to support the implementation as those usually are the same expert colleagues who are in their daily business doing uh, operational IT audits. Um, but then I would say single-handedly the, the most, the, the biggest uh, challenge is the was the lack of understanding of the framework. Yeah? So the NIST-CSF framework is not a compliance framework. It's rather an operational risk management framework. So that means you are aiming to rather build the quality and the security upfront proactively into your daily operations as a company, opposed to testing it out afterwards um, reactively and react on it or waiting for the IT auditor as part of a normal compliance audit to receive findings and act upon it. Um, if you also go then to the next slide, you can see a few couple points for, for, for the audience. The goal from SAP was ultimately to uh, reach tier three implementation, which means that the risk management processes are formalized and in place. There is uh, an integrated risk management uh, practice or framework in place, as well as the external participation with all of the included third party uh, providers across the, uh, the own supply chain. Definitely the goal to bring all those stakeholders mentioned before together so that they speak one aligned cybersecurity language and also build one framework across SAP that is not replacing or adding on top to the multiple frameworks that are already in place, but that naturally ties into the existing ones. Um, so it's not just a new framework, but rather as mentioned earlier an operational risk management frameworks. And of course, also the perspective to our clients to really show to our clients that our leadership takes it really serious because the trust of our clients is most important to us so that we really are robust against our security, against cybersecurity attacks and also working in this thought leadership to be recognized globally for our NIST approach and also our security posture. Very nice. So to build a, a one framework across such a large enterprise like SAP, um, Heda, can you talk, take us back to the starting point and share how this all began? Kind of what were the initial steps um, in the course for SAP's implementation of NIST CSF? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure, for sure. Um... You know, quite in the beginning for the start of the program, you can see this here as a multi-year transformational program or journey as we call it. It starts definitely with the initiation. The most important thing here is to secure the stakeholder buy-in in a correct way right from the beginning. So a program of this magnitude that really touches all of the organizational units vertically, horizontally, and all management areas and board areas, definitely requires from the beginning the correct and adequate senior executive buy-in and sponsorship so that um, it can be set up right from the beginning and it needs to be defined and um, acknowledged as one of the top priorities within the company. So that's the first step that took place and was well done from our leadership. Second, after that, uh, as part, you would imagine of any implementation project of this size, you would start with an assessment to really know where you start. So um, that means um, having a look of all of the historical uh, data that you have around uh, potential weaknesses or findings or recommendations and everything that you have to consolidate to see where you stand. 
So we had a look at this across all of the 23 categories and the 108 subcategories of the NIST cybersecurity framework to really see where we stand. We broke this down and grouped this then in the end per organizational unit and per central service that we have in place. And in the end, uh, consolidated it all in, uh, in our project management tool, which we simply use Jira for. Very nice. For, so yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, keep going. Yeah. No worries. Um, then uh, in the middle, yeah. So uh, for the implementation, yeah. Before you start with the, before we started with the real implementation, it makes sense for everyone would agree on this call to start with a pilot. Yeah? So we explicitly chose three pilot domains, namely um, risk management as it's fundamental for the tier three achievement. Then uh, business continuity management is one of our mature services that had been in place quite a long, and also uh, a fairly new central service, third-party risk management. And this gave us a mix of touching multiple complexity of services, but also give a good representativity for across the company. Um, we chose very short windows. So in less than two weeks, we conducted those pilots with workshops where we brought all of those stakeholders together from the organizational units and the central services. And where we defined our blueprint, we went through the different controls. We chose NIST 800-53 revision five controls and control steps, went through them, defined them, and also um, specified the attributes. So we really had this one common blueprint. And it also gave the confidence to the stakeholders to see that we are on the right way, could also derive our lessons learned, of course. And it was the right first right step to let them understand that this is like um, the way forward. Very nice. Um, so you've talked about the steps one through three. I, I'm sure that's way oversimplifying it, right? The initiation, the assessment, <laughs> and the piloting. But how did you proceed with implementation? I mean, that's the juicy bit here. Can you talk a little bit about that, Hada? Yeah, sure, sure. So after the lessons learned and all the related change management activities, communication activities, we started with the real implementation for all of the other areas besides those three pilot domains. So we conducted additional seven workshops um, where we uh, held together with the organizational units and the central services, and we continued to define in a similar fashion as for the pilots. Uh, the blueprint went through all of the controls, defined the controls, the ownership, as well as um, specifying the, the attributes. Uh, on a side note, this not only helped the whole company to um, define this common blueprint, it also brought the organizational units or line of, lines of business and the service providers that we have better together so that they, are, uh, they had been working more effectively than already. And then, um, of course, as you would say, after the imp implementation, there comes a final quality check which is just basically checking uh, with our independent controls testing team that those controls had been tested uh, in a correct way as, as, in, as intended. So um, this is really a rough view over it, but um, you can see at the top two points that are mentioned as well. And there I'd like to ask Peter, huh? so can you say, why those program risk management and change management and communication are or were so important for our successful transformation? Sure, I think that I think in terms of the change in communication, you already started to allude a little bit. But let me start with program risk management. Of course, program risk management yields the benefit of creating greater transparency on program risk, right? And that then enables, in turn, decision-making for key stakeholders. But it also, of course, supports that sort of forward-looking and proactive stance and risk identification that we talked about. 
and helps to mitigate through the process and ensure that ultimately the program stayed on course, right? And you can see that this is a long time that this program ran, right? It's not a short sprint, it takes a couple of years. Now, the second part, the change in, in management and communication, you also talked about it, is really to secure that um, buy-in from all the key stakeholders, right? And from our experience, the success of every transformation really depends on, yeah, it depends on many factors, but really chief amongst them is, um, and, and as we say at uh, UI, is the people, right? The humans are at the center of every transformation. And so to address this, we have developed a tailored change management approach that involves one, of course, creating clear and transparent communication, but also upskilling. My right? Teda talked about it, how important it is to create that awareness and understanding and really engaging with all people in the company. And ultimately, that then ensures that, you know, people not only understand the framework, but also the why and the how of why we need this, right? Angelica, back to you. Definitely. No, that was a great overview of a five-step process um, on a very, you know, challenging journey with a large enterprise. Um, Heda, Pete, on this journey of implementing this CSF, you probably gained some valuable insights and learned important lessons. Could you say, share some notable insights or key lessons that SAP encountered during the implementation of this program? I'll, I'll start with Heda. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, a few lessons learned and insights so far that we, we'd like to share. Yeah. So very important, you have to make the business case and have a vision up front. Yeah. As mentioned before, uh, a, a program, a transformative program of that size, um, in order to be successful, it requires a strong mandate and support from the management to make all the necessary changes in the company's operations and also in the culture. So that's definitely the first point. It needs to be set up directly with a clear and concise business case that is communicated top down. Secondly, you should not start to implement from any category or starting to implement all together or in parallel. You should really start to focus on areas of need. So that means um, you should make an initial analysis like in like in usually in those kind of projects, which includes an assessment in the beginning to know where you stand and also know once we implement those areas, what is the impact and thus derive from that the priorities for each of those areas. And then the third point is you definitely have to answer the question, what's in it for me? I mean, as mentioned, we have so many key stakeholders here across our companies, all the security experts and colleagues that are working in this. So everyone really needs to understand what's in it for me. How does the implementation of NIST CSF improves my daily life and also increases the security within our company. And naturally, if everyone can answer that for me, for the different stakeholders, it will naturally lead to the what's in it for us and make it easier. So that's for three that I'd like to share, but I'm sure, Peter, you can add to the list, yeah? Well, so let me take the next couple of points, and one of them being, for example, mobilizing the teams, right? As Seda mentioned, it's not only about, um, you know, explaining what's in it for me, but really getting stakeholders also activated and involved. So it really make everyone play a part in the transformation and believe in the goals that are set from the start, right? And then, of course, collaborate, right, based on a common blueprint. That is really to have agreed on the controls, on the ownerships, the attributes with all the key stakeholders and follow them that blueprint, right? 
And I think certainly what's uh, still for my end important, what I see, see is, you know, really create a program to manage the effort. I think we said it before, and it's really critical that everyone works against their plan, you know, that you apply the structured and programmatic approach to implement that not only allows tracking, but also gives management, of course, oversight and steering and, um, you know, use those established governance structures to be successful there. Yeah. Thanks. So, you know, as we've learned about this journey so far, um, Hayda, could you provide us with a glimpse of what lies ahead? What are kind of the next significant steps in SAP's journey with NIST-CSF? For sure, yeah, I'd like to. So, uh, outlook for 2024 and beyond. Yeah? So, officially, we are closing our implementation program at the end of this year. So naturally, the next step is here um, on the bottom left, as you can see, the transitioning to the operational mode after the program finishes. That's the first. Secondly, we're currently working on a methodology to um, conduct so-called self-assessments throughout all of the different organizational units that we have to um, really have the uh, our initial goal, which is the tier three implementation. And this is more the external view so that we can really also, um, I mean, we have this approach or methodology, we're closely aligned with the official NIST team um, and also um, bringing an external assessor in so that we can really make the external announcement of, of tier three implementation. Other than that, it's of course also our external uh, contribution. As mentioned, SAP um, is definitely becoming an influencer for NIST the feedback that we're providing to NIST, especially also for the 2.0 or also on-site workshops that our project lead, Vanessa Baba had attended in, in, in Washington, but also remote workshops. So we're continuously working on that. And also for as for another example, the recently published uh, brochure of this that we've also done. So these are just some of the uh, highlights that lie ahead of us. Sounds like, you know, you both aren't going to be out of work anytime soon. So that's that's a plus. Um, before I transition to the next question, I just want to remind our audience that um, we will be transitioning to question and answer um, probably within the next few minutes. So please feel free to use the chat function to submit your questions so our great leaders here can have an opportunity to answer your questions. Um, so as we kind of conclude this insightful discussion, um, Peter, could you summarize the key takeaways you would like our audience to remember regarding SAP's journey with NIST-CSF? And what are the main lessons or insights that organizations can apply to enhance their cybersecurity strategies? Sure. I, I, I would start by mentioning that, you know, the implementation of NIST-CSF really requires collaboration. Right, that's so critical. You have to involve, you know, the relevant stakeholder groups and, um, you know, really maintain their engagement over the entire journey. So, how does it benefit the organization? Right, we can see that SAP already through the ongoing stakeholder main uh, engagement. You know, communication in SAP has improved. Everyone now speaks a common language and uses the same terminology. I think that's a really critical achievement already. I would also say that. You know, risk management in general and uh, governance have been strengthened as part of the, um, you know, benefits of implementing the program. So how was this achieved? Of course, we heard already about risk management, and I would say that 
um, you know, there's not now a much more proactive stance um, to, to risk management in SAP um, rather than a reactive one. And I think Heda explained that really, really well. And, um, you know, also the governance is strengthened. Um, you know, it's really important to have that roadmap in place. And you could hear from Heda as well, you know, the outlook for 2024, all that's planned and coming. Um, you know, it's agreed. Um, we have that plan. We work against it and make huge difference to work that structured against it. And last but not least, as a third point, I would also highlight the importance of, again, you know, getting the stakeholder buy-in. And that means, um, you know, not only internally, but externally, like this webinar that we have here uh, as one example, or the participation in conferences, because these kinds of events, they really help to create awareness and foster knowledge exchange. And so, you know, I would phrase it in this way, that it helps us together to move forward to a more cyber secure future for all of us. And with that, I would hand it then back to Angelica. Um, well, this has been a really great discussion today. Um, I think in support of uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month and SAP and EY's great partnership to adopt the NIST CSF, um, really, I've learned a lot. Hopefully, the audience has learned a lot. And we're going to transition to Q&A in just a minute. But I want to encourage you all um, to definitely check out um, our brochure, um, Keeping SAP Customers Secure Around the World, Taking a Risk-Based Approach to Protect Customer Data by Implementing the NIST CSF. So you'll see all of the great details shared here. We're also recording this session, so we encourage you to share that link as well. But at the end of the day, this all starts with you and your organization. And if you have specific questions, please feel free to reach out to myself, Heda or Peter about what we're doing at SAP or even with EY and all of their customers as we work to continuously implement NIST CSF at SAP to ensure that our customers remain secure and that SAP is a trusted and secure technology provider. So with that, I wanna to transition to our questions. What questions do you have? Again, definitely use the chat feature. It looks like we have one question um, so far, and then I also have a couple myself. So we'll start with our audience member. Um, they have asked, I see the lesson to focus on areas of need. Did the team develop a CSF profile to select and prioritize subcategories for implementation or were all subcategories implemented to tier three? Yes, indeed. Um, so what we did is, um, and that is what we call our sub-tailored framework. Um, we went through all of the different um, subcategories. Yes, they are all in scope for us, but then we took the, um, also from this, the 800-53 revision five controls. And then we um, took a specific subset that is applicable to, to SAP tailored them and this was then the basis for us yeah? so you could say this is our profile because um, yeah there are certain elements which are not applicable or less applicable to your company or to sap in this in this case but that's part of the um, let's say scoping uh, um, and also um, partly a lessons learned from the pilots yeah? hand in hand I, I hope that answers the question i don't know peter if you want to add to that but i, I hope i understood the question correctly I think you answered it perfectly. And, you know, the one thing I may add is that, of course, those profiles are going to evolve in future as SAP is changing. And I think also 
the NIST uh, framework is being um, updated to 2.0.19. So I think with that uh, change, of course, we're gonna stay um, up to speed with it and may uh, in future, you know, uh, vary the profiles that we have today. Perfect. And we have a couple other questions that have come in. Um, so how does SAP achieve tier three implementation before self-assessment? Is it done by externally or SAP internally? Um, I think uh, in, in addition, could you tell us more about tier three maturity level assessment methodology? Sure. I guess, Peter, you want to start? Yeah, sure. I mean, of course, NIST itself um, suggests that there or recommend that there to be a self-assessment, but I think in the case of SAP, uh, we not only rely on, um, you know, the company doing a self-assessment, but also have a, a third party to provide some additional assurance on it. So uh, we do have a look at, you know, together with that assessor to uh, make sure that we meet that tier three. And um yeah, I don't know. Maybe you want to pick up on the second part of the question. Yeah, sure. So um, if I understand it correctly, it's about what tier three means and the methodology. I mean, tier three means that you have risk management processes in place. They are uh, formalized, expressed as a policy. You have guidelines, standards, procedures, and they are uh, acted upon across the company. Then you also have an integrated risk management program to manage your cybersecurity related risks. Uh, not only identify and assess them, but also really manage them throughout the whole life cycle. And then thirdly, it means to have the external participation con uh, component, which is to know all of your third parties or uh, providers um, and stakeholders that are in place across your whole supply chain. And that also there, the risks are known, formally expressed and acted upon. I hope and, that answers you know, maybe... the question. Maybe we can add one little thing there. I mean, obviously, there are different methodologies around, and you know, all firms bring them um, to a table. There, we we brought ours as well, and um, you know, it's very close to what the description of the tier three as per NIST is. So we uh, stuck very close to the definition there and made sure that whatever SAP is doing needs that and in part exceeds it. So that you know, we can just that also additional assurance that will come into play. Um, really save us confidence that SAP has truly achieved that tier three. Yeah. Great. I think we also have confirmation from the colleague who asked the question. Thanks a lot for the answer. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. Um, we have another question focused more on um, NIST-CSF and the uh, crossover between uh, Zero Trust. Um, so NIST-CSF control compliance is great, but what about zero trust controls? Um, it doesn't look like they're available from NIST, but guidance has been issued or made available from uh, CISA, which is the part of the Homeland Security and uh, the U.S. Department of Defense. The zero trust controls implement AI and machine learning uh, to information security response orchestration for security tooling. So the real question here in all of this is what zero trust maturity level will SAP look to seek for its solutions? Uh, thank you, Susan, for that question. I think that's a very good question, also forward thinking. I can say that uh, zero trust arch uh, architecture and principles and controls are definitely part of the upcoming NIST CSF 2.0. 
have already uh, feedback provided and it's there to be included. Um, that's that's one thing. Uh, at the moment, um, I cannot make an, a formalized definite statement on, on what kind of maturity level. I mean, we seek to define the overall risk management tier that we want to achieve. And we are also uh, incorporating all those zero trust controls with the mentioned technologies as well. So um, it's something that we have on our radar currently. We're doing it against the currently available NIST CSF version, but we're well aware that next year the version 2.0 will come with a couple of changes, a new function, for example, also more couple of additional controls or adapted controls. This is something, and we have to understand that this is not a one-time effort, I would say, to uh, just become tier three, but then also to stay there. And what is tier yeah. three today? tomorrow may necessarily not be tier three. That is, I think, yeah. a basic understanding that every CISO or security expert has. And therefore, um, these are principles amongst others and controls that we will incorporate. But that would be my stance on it. You know, if I may add one little thing, I mean, this is also very open as a framework, right? The CSF um, has in its belly information references, out of the SP 853, but other controls are equally, uh, you know, um, implemented or being used to help achieving the described outcome in the CSF. So, um, you know, it's not entirely just this SP 853. And again, if any other audience members have questions, feel free to use the chat function. We're here for another few minutes. Um, so I, I want to start with um, Peter. How are you seeing the NIST CSF align with other cybersecurity frameworks or standards such as um, ISO uh, 27001 or CIS controls? Can they be integrated? Absolutely. And in actual fact, um, you know, SAP um, yeah, takes input from a lot of different frameworks and um, our goal really is to have NIST CSF at the heart of it, um, but not uh, sort of um, you know let go of sight or let go of sight of the other frameworks, and um, you know also need to also obviously achieve compliance with the other frameworks. Like the ISO framework is a compliance framework, NIST we heard is not a compliance framework, so um, you know you can't lose sight of that. And what we try to do is really integrate that into one, um, so that in the end um, you know we. You know, have a have an SAP tailored framework that works for you know satisfying those uh, compliance requirements as well as you know driving the outcomes that the NIST describes. I think that's how I would phrase it. Perfect. Well, I know you know we talked about um, you know how this framework is always evolving over time, and you know you talked about the tier three um, level maturity. I, I would be curious, Hada, you know, considering the evolving cyber threat landscape. Um, and then, you know, obviously the evolution of this framework, how frequently should we reassess and update um, our NIST CSF adoption uh, plan, our structure, you know, overall journey? Where, what, what are your thoughts on that on frequency? Yeah, thank you very much, Angelica. That's also a very, very good question. So basically once you've done it once, uh, our initial um, how often should you do it? I mean, there's a very good, uh, very good question. I think you should do it. It should be done definitely regularly. The question is, you don't, you have to, you have to um, consider that the stakeholders that you are dealing with are already 
busy with their daily operations with compliance activities security activities and so on huh? so it's not that they are looking actively for additional work so the, you have to do it in a in a fine balance that it's not a burden on, on top of that but it's really uh, adding benefits huh? so i would say um you should regularly definitely reassess this once there is a new version or there's a new update i think that's for sure like on an incident basis but if not you should i would say you should do it once a year at least but that's really depending on the complexity size of your company and also um depending on the timing of the year you need to align this uh upfront very good strategically with all of the other audit activities and cycles and everything that's in place and it should never feel like it is a burden on top of the uh, security personnel that you're dealing with otherwise that's uh, backfiring and um, that would be my stance on this Perfect. Well, I have I have a question about the strategic partnership. So um, I, I'll start with Hayda, and then I've got a, a element for Peter. Um, Hayda, why did SAP choose EY to be a partner in this journey? Um, why why not go it alone? Why is EY such a critical partner? And I guess Peter, for you, how did EY support SAP with setting up this program? We'll start with Hayda. Yeah, let me give you the SAP view. As initially said, I know it from both sides, but I think every company needs to um, find out for them whether they can do it on their own or whether they need expertise. I mean, the timing, the not well adoption in the market, I think that was definitely points to have a strong partner who can, first of all, mention you need to have the right resources. Lack of the resources was an issue on SAP side, so you really needed to have a strong implementation partner who already implemented NIST CSF and not just on a on a high level surface but who's really already into it and can really actively provide benefit in there so that was basically the reason adding with the lack of resources um, on our side and we needed to I mean it was clear from the strategic management and from the top level um, that it needs to be done it's a top priority but of course we were also uh, forced to deliver quick results to share and to really see that this is going to the right direction. Now, therefore, naturally, naturally, you need those uh, strong implementation partner. For us, it was EY, uh, not only the security experts, but overall, it was also good to have the change management colleagues in there because you have to imagine you have those workshops with 50 plus uh, colleagues that need to be planned upfront, very good in order to be effective and also follow up on them. So it's really not just a check checkbox exercise and rather uh, adding benefit and adding value. So I think that's what I would say, but I'm happy to hear, Peter, why you think you have been chosen as our partner. Oh, I mean, there's probably quite a number of reasons, but I think the couple that stand for me out is really number one. SAP is one of our really most important clients worldwide, right? We have a strong interest in being SAP's partner and supporting them as best as we can. Um, because we're not only doing, you know, the NIST implementation, but SAP is also an alliance partner of device. We uh, together approach the market and it's in our own interest to make sure that, you know, we have customer trust in it. SAP has really achieved those high levels of um, cybersecurity, for example. 
So that's one. And I think the other one is, you know, we have this long-term relationship with the key stakeholders in there. We we know the client, really. We know what the organization looks like. And that helps when you roll out a big transformation, right? That you know, um, you know, how the lines of business are organized and uh, you can, you know, basically help um, the client here um, to, as Seda pointed out, to sometimes overcome uh, you know, some of those um, boundaries that naturally exist in every company. And um, that makes it probably easier then when you know the company to um, accelerate the program and deliver results. And, you know, it's really important for us to always keep an eye on the ball and make sure that, um, you know, we really achieve what's set out. And that is ultimately um, in this phase to achieve that tier three. And I think so, you know, we we, we understand that, uh, we, we brought the resources to bear and um, yeah, help really SAP getting there. Um. Perfect. We have one more question from our audience and then we will close out this great discussion. Um, in the Q&A chat, we have, um, how is the team considering coverage when doing self-assessments? Um, with such a large organization like SAP, controls may be implemented uh, well in a region or a line of business or hosting environment, but less fully in other areas. With this variance, how have you evaluated reaching tier three for a given control? I think Peter, you can you can uh, have a go at this as you're currently working on the self-assessment and I can add on it if necessary. Yeah, probably just one point uh, in response to this. I mean, obviously, uh, you've built a quite, um, you know, substantial methodology and tool around it and, um, you know, have obviously um, not only brought some of our own resources, but also utilizing um, teams within SAP that typically are involved in assessments to really facilitate that process and make sure that we, as said, you know, reach those um, different lines of business, understand where they stand. And, um, you know, also, I think, and that's the second point there, uh, managing it to the right level of detail, right? You can't uh, literally uh, look into every, uh, you know, line of business, every control, but you focus on the ones based on a risk assessment that are really the ones where you needed to uplift the most. And, um, you know, so that scopes a little bit um, the work that you have to do and reduces, I think, you know, you don't want to boil the ocean, as I call it, but rather focus in on what's important, right? And what's critical. Yeah, anything to add? Yeah, maybe just forward thinking, of course, I agree to everything you said, but also this is what we apply then also for M&As. Yeah? So we have mergers, for example, then these are also points that we um, have on our radar to consider as well, yeah? because that's ultimately the goal also for, for potential mergers and acquisitions. Perfect. Well, thank you everybody for joining today's discussion. Again, if you want to reach out to any of the speakers today or including myself about, about implementation of NIST CSF, we really encourage you to do that. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, I hope you all have a great morning, afternoon, or evening. And thank you for joining today's discussion on NIST CSF, keeping customers safe around the world. Thank you so much, and we hope you join SAP for another webinar later this month. Take care, everybody. Bye.